Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Child USA's Voice for the Kids podcast. This week, we're talking to two of our outstanding social scientists, our director of social science, uh, Andrew Ortiz, otherwise known as AJ. We also have Sarah Bousquet, who is our research and development intern and is joining Child USA for a full year, and we're, we're completely delighted about that. So, you know, shockwaves went around the world when the Supreme Court decided Dobbs, which is the case that overruled Roe v. Wade just a few weeks ago. Uh, there has been a lot of focus on women's rights and the impact on women as there should be. But of course, we have a problem in society that girls also get pregnant. Uh, and the question is, what are the impacts on teenage girls? What do we need to understand to understand the future? So um, I am delighted to have AJ and Sarah here today to talk to us and fill us in on the facts that everyone should understand. So thanks so much for joining us this morning, AJ and Sarah. Of course, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So, um, so let me just start out. The obvious question is, what about teen pregnancies and how does that play out in our society? What's the, what's, what are the statistics? So I'm gonna throw it to you, AJ, first. And uh, if you could just help us understand this issue. Yeah, so I think a couple important things to know is right off the bat, data clearly shows that about three quarters or 75% of teen pregnancies are unintended, right? So um, that's just important as a baseline statistic to understand that um, a lot of teens are getting into situations uh, with pregnancy that they were not planning for, they might be unprepared for, and obviously due to the stage of development that they're at, um, it's going to be a really challenging situation for them to deal with. Um, so access to reproductive care is really, really important. Um, but, you know, digging into more of the, the child abuse aspect, which is, of course, what we focus on at Child USA, um, there's a decent amount of research out there that shows that women or girls with a history of sexual abuse are more likely, up to twice as likely, um, to become pregnant as teens. So there's a connection here between, um, you know, forms of maltreatment, especially sexual abuse, and the likelihood of experiencing teen pregnancy. So, it, you know, it's difficult to find statistics on exactly what proportion or what percentage of teen pregnancies are due to rape or incest. We can imagine that it's a, it's a very serious issue that's going on out there, but there's more kind of hard data on, um, you know, for girls that do experience sexual abuse, they're more likely to end up um, having a pregnancy. So that's a serious issue that we need to deal with. And I think it's it's really important for us to keep in mind that um, the Dobbs decision is going to have implications, not just for adult women who should have access to reproductive care, but for vulnerable girls and teenagers um, who may be experiencing sexual abuse, whether it's within their families um, or, or outside of their families. Well, you know, you think about it, it's kind of amazing that um, anyone ever thought that incest should be a category treated by the law as though it's any different than rape. Um, but, uh, you know, in the old days, rape and incest were a very common exception um, to these restrictions, to abortion restrictions. 
Um, now we have states that are saying from the moment of conception, no rape or incest exception. Um, and so basically, I take it we're talking about kids that have unplanned pregnancies, uh, either lack of access to contraception or inability to, um, you know, have the maturity to uh, do what they need to do. And then you have added on to that, the victims in the homes. Now, uh, how many children generally are sexually abused in our society by the time they're 18? So I can take this one. Um, The CDC just released a new report this morning uh, with this statistic saying that 49% of female rape victims are uh, victimized before they turn 18. And out of that, 35% are victimized between 11 and 17 years old. So this is an epidemic. So so let me wrap my head around that. Um, So roughly half of rapes in the country are rapes of girls as opposed to women. Yes. Yeah. 50% and 80% experience it before 25. So, so here's the issue. Uh, you know, when we see rape and incest as the exceptions from the past, we think about, oh, women being raped and girls, uh, experiencing incest. But what you're saying is that Rape is 50-50. So that's a lot of rapes where these new laws will leave that child having to have the baby. Um, Do you have any information about what happens to a child if they have to go carry a pregnancy all the way to term? Yeah, we definitely have a little bit of information about that. Um, I personally worked with pregnant and parenting teens uh, last year. And so many of them don't graduate high school. There's about um, only about half graduate high school or earn a high school diploma by 22 years old. Many of them are already economically disadvantaged, are uh, from marginalized communities, either Black or Hispanic. And many of them don't get further access and therefore their children aren't receiving education, they are in poverty. So it not only affects these girls, but it affects the the babies that they're having as well. So, so where, if we look at the demographics in the United States, which areas of the United States have the most teen pregnancies? Yeah, that's something I wanted to focus on um, in this conversation, because I think it's really important. It's very clear that the highest concentration of teen pregnancies occurs in the rural South. Um, so, you know, we're thinking about states like Alabama and Arkansas and, and Mississippi, right? Kind of that Mississippi Delta region. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that that's really important because one thing I wanted to, to talk about, I mean, Sarah was just mentioning some of the effects of poverty, right? Or potentially low educational attainment for, for teen parents that carried to term. Um, I think that's really important because the other thing you see with demographics in terms of people seeking abortion care um, is that roughly 75% of abortion patients are either poor or low income. And if you break that down a little bit further, about 50% are technically in poverty where another 25% are struggling economically, right? And so the other thing, again, we're thinking about geographic concentration Rural poverty 
is often concentrated in that kind of um, in the geographic south in the United States, right? So to me, it's just really important because, you know, in my mind and looking at the data, the biggest impact of this groundbreaking decision at the Supreme Court, it's really going to impact marginalized communities in those rural communities in the south, places where they might not have access to medical care, um, where they're already struggling with poverty. And it's it's important because that plays into the decision for somebody to seek an abortion, right? They, they're often struggling economically. It's not just that, oh, this is an inconvenience for me. You know, I want to get rid of this child. It's a very serious decision that's going to impact that, that young person's life uh, for the rest of their lives. And to jump onto that, as AJ said, like, the states with the highest teen pregnancies are Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Alabama. That's four of the five states that currently have complete abortion bans, and only Oklahoma has an exception for rape and incest. So this isn't this is a current issue for these teens. This is affecting them today. And and Sarah, what happens to a teenage girl? who has this pregnancy and is forced to carry it to term the rest of her life? I mean, whether it's, it's, what kinds of successes does she normally have or developmental issues? What happens? There's um, a lot of issues with teen pregnancy. Uh, I think that there's not only the trauma of having to have a child at a young age, not having that choice. There's um, a lot of sexual assault children who are forced to carry a pregnancy to term. They re-experience trauma during childbirth because that is another setting where they are not in control of what is happening to their body. And then you see these effects throughout their lifetime. Like I said, the lower rates of graduation. um, And also these children are more likely to have developed mental delays, lower test scores, behavioral issues. They're dependent on public assistance. They a lot of times can't afford housing, can't afford food, can't afford transport. They're dependent on these social services. Which uh, I take it the safety nets in the states with the bans and the high teenage pregnancies uh, results in these girls are pretty much on their own. Absolutely. They don't, a lot of them don't have uh, familial support. A lot of them don't have societal support. And there's most of huge stigma, especially in the black and brown community of young girls who um, give birth at a young age, it becomes a generational thing. If um, a child who is born to a teenage mother is more likely to have a child in their teenage years. Wow, and I, I just want to I want to chime in to to make kind of a broader political point, which is again the, these states where this impact is going to be the highest, um, you know, they're they're less likely to be providing social safety net supports, right? Whether that's economic support, um, healthcare, things of that nature, right? Um, so that just that adds to this idea that yeah, young mothers, if they're forced to carry the term, they're going to be out there kind of on their own. Um, whether or not they have familial support, the society at large in their state is less likely to be supporting them to actually give that child a chance at um, at a happy and healthy life. Wow. Uh, and then that child suffers later 
because their mother is not in a position to successfully support them in too many circumstances. Uh, so it's, it's a really ugly, vicious cycle from the perspective of a child, right? Which is what Child USA uh, is working on. We're working on the civil rights of children, the children that are now going to be forced in these states to carry uh, a fetus all the way to birth, um, are children that are then going to have less success, future in life, lower types of education. The, the result is we all suffer. We all lose girls that would have become our leaders, that would have done everything um, possible within their capacities. And they are literally burdened by the state by forcing them to keep uh, the, uh, the accident, the crime, results. Uh, so that's, that's sobering, I think. So um, why don't we just, I'd really love to hear from each of you. What do we need to do as soon as possible about the difficulties that children are facing with these abortion bans? I'll start with uh, Sarah, and then I'll go to AJ. Yeah, so I think what we're doing right now, educating and fighting these abortion bans is so important. But in the meantime, comprehensive sexual education is necessary and and a lot of the states where these abortion bans are the most restrictive don't have comprehensive sexual education. They don't provide condoms. They don't explain the dangers of um, sexual abuse. They don't explain what sexual abuse is to younger children. And a lot of these children become so dissociated from their experiences that they don't realize that they're pregnant. Um, police reports only occur for about 19% of cases of child sexual abuse. And I mentioned that because some of the states have exceptions for rape and incest only if a police report is filed. So we need to make sure that these children know what is happening to their bodies and work towards comprehensive sex education and providing contraceptives so that they can take control of their bodies and have the future that they would want. And it sounds like we also need to make it very clear how you report um, to the authorities that you've been raped um, uh, by anybody, including your family. Uh, I, I do think we leave kids in the dark. We don't tell them about their bodies. And then we, we also don't tell them if something criminal happens to them, they ought to reach out on a hotline or somewhere. So uh, AJ, what, what is your, what should we focus on immediately? It's such a big problem, but what should we focus on immediately now that so many girls who are unintentionally pregnant through rape or unplanned pregnancies don't have rights in um, almost 16 or 17 states? Yeah, I think the things that Sarah just mentioned are honestly top of the list, sex education, access to contraceptives. Um, one thing we haven't really talked about um, that I know Sarah um, feels is very important is the uh, impacts of intimate partner violence, which also puts young girls at risk um, for being forced to become pregnant or to carry a pregnancy to term. Um, and there are other bad outcomes associated with that. So I do think we also need education on helping young women um, either prevent themselves from becoming involved in intimate partner violence type situations or domestic violence situations, 
um, and dating violence in general. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about the impacts that are going to um, play out in the child welfare space and the foster care system and the adoptive um, kind of space. Because, you know, I think a lot of times the arguments um, in favor of pro-life positions are that, well, you know, we're just going to adopt all the kids and it's going to be great. Um, my experience working in child welfare, um, actually finding adoptive and foster parents, um, speaks to the fact that I know that there are a lot of people out there that want to care for these kids. But the plain fact is that many, many states suffer from a lack of appropriate um, and safe homes for kids. So I really think that we need to be putting on the radar that if there are going to be more kids coming into the child welfare system, whether it's because of unwanted or unintended did pregnancies or whether it's because kids living in child poverty are more subject to um, entering the, the foster care system because of neglect or um, reports of neglect, things like that, states are going to have to be prepared or start thinking about where, what are we going to do with these kids? How are we going to provide them with safe and loving homes? Um, and not just that, but, you know, I, I think about a lot of times kids that don't end up being adopted they end up languishing in the foster care system sometimes for many years because it's, you know, it's easy to adopt a, a cute, a cute baby, right? People are less willing to adopt a teenager who has um, experienced a lot of trauma, has been in the system for many years. Um, so th that's just the type of thing that I think sometimes gets left out of this conversation is it's so easy to think like, yeah, we're just going to adopt all the kids and they're going to be, uh, they're going to end up great. So um, why not carry these pregnancies to term? But the actual factual matter is that um, child welfare systems kind of bear the burden of this. Um, and there are so many issues with the foster care system in general um, that we just need to start thinking about how are we going to provide safe alternatives, especially to residential treatment facilities. We don't want kids stuck languishing in those type of facilities for many years. Um, so that's just something I think that has not been thought through that I want to put on everyone's radar. I, oh, I completely agree with that. And, and for all those who are now saying, well, we'll just have homes for these girls and these women who weren't planning on carrying this pregnancy to term, I think we might want to look at history and where did some of the worst abuses occur in the United States for children? They occurred in orphanages run by religious organizations and by the states. So um, this concept that, well, we'll just put a roof over their head or we'll throw them toward another family does not mean that child is safe. And it doesn't mean that child is thriving. And it probably doesn't mean the girl who just had the baby is thriving. So um, I, I just wanna thank you guys. This is so illuminating and terrifying, um, but it's necessary. We're the voice for the kids and we want everyone to please start focusing on what happens to children when they're forced to carry pregnancies that they never would have expected. Completely unfair. So thanks, AJ. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Marcy. And everybody, do not forget, I'm going to keep reminding you that our annual event is November 3rd. Uh, we will be celebrating at the National Constitution Center and honoring some amazing heroes of child protection and also survivors. Uh, check it out at childusa.org and take care until the next episode of A Voice for the Kids.